Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mr. Will Rotondi. Hey, hey, how's it going? And of course, we have the lovely festive Mae Finch. Hello, hello. On today's episode, it is our final episode of 2023, where we'll be closing out our little holiday mini uh, film fest and talking about my personal favorite Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life. And of course, we'll be drawing a little uh, side quest here to kick things off. So no opener um, for this episode. We're just going to kind of dive right in. As a reminder, we will uh, attempt to kind of holiday eyes or holiday five. I don't know. Um, the side quest. And we'll each take a, a stab at the topic. <laughs> Oh, man, this is an amazing one. So it is immersive experience where normally we'd pick a film that we would want to, you know, live in or like a world from a film that or TV show that we'd want to live in. So the trick to this one will be uh, in a, a Christmas, um, blend, uh, you know, band or holiday band, I guess. Like, so, yeah, take a moment and think about what holiday film or TV show, I guess, you would want to potentially exist in i guess i can't really double dip and say home alone again although i really wouldn't want to live in that world truthfully his family was obnoxious and also dealing with uh having to potentially murder criminals that are trying to bust into your house seems like a really crappy way to spend christmas so or an amazing way to spend christmas come on i mean yeah you look i mean home alone too yeah not too bad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, mine's a very easy pick um, and it's a movie that I've debated throwing on the list two years in a row and that's the world of the Nightmare Before Christmas Uh, not just for Christmas Town though like for all the different like worlds like ever since I was a kid I'm always like man I want to see what's behind those other doors though like Halloween Town is a ball obviously Christmas Town is you know it's cool but like I wanted to see what some of the other places look like so that would be my reasoning because I I feel like you get to explore some really like crazy wacky Burton-esque like holiday worlds you stole mine god mm. damn it sorry <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> uh, i'm going last though <laughs> <laughs> great pick wonderful taste cheers <laughs> i mean i'm just i'm, I'm just gonna have to go with the, the greatest christmas movie of all time uh it's got to be die hard I'm not going to be a terrorist, but I will definitely be a character in that story. <laughs> Are you just going to be like getting wasted at the Christmas party or? Yeah, probably. And uh, it, I would not be Ellis. So there's like <laughs> a very obvious distinction uh, for that. So, yeah, I uh, that's probably the only thing I can really think of, man. Just a, a fun action adventure uh, around Christmas time. Be the limo driver. Yeah, you know, that actually wasn't such a bad gig. You have like your one little thing, you knock out one dude at the very end, but otherwise you're just chilling with that teddy bear in the back seat, man, having a nice drink, waiting on John to, you know, make his move on his ex-wife. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Argyle's definitely got it made for sure. Yeah. 
He's chilling in the garage. He should have shown up in a sequel. Why didn't that happen? Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even like Al Powell just has like a cameo, I think, in the sequel. That's true. Yeah. He he's like a phone a friend in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good pick. Solid. That'd be fun. I mean, especially like most of the hostages end up all right. Um it could be an entertaining thing to watch unfold, you know? Mm-hmm. Less and less terrorists mm-hmm. coming back from their their search. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then there were five. Yeah. Yep. 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 Because I'm just opening myself up here, but uh, the Grinch. <laughs> oh, nailing it! Gonna give us that, tee us up like that. Okay, go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it explain do it. how you would love stealing all the presents and food, and <laughs> I don't want to be the Grinch, but I, I, I want to be a tiny little Who in Whoville. That sounds so fun. <laughs> ah. They do look like they're having a good time for sure, right? Like that's yeah. a nice, weird, wacky little world. I get to be tiny. I'm a. I'm. I've been going for tiny characters in D and D lately. So, <laughs> all sorts then. of opportunities for hijinks when you're exceptionally small. So I want to be a who in Whoville, and I guess I don't want to like suffer too much from the Grinch, but uh, probably be like seeing a kaiju in real life. So maybe it'd actually be kind of cool. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Abominable snowman who is green. <laughs> what do you think the who get up to like when it's not the holidays? What the getting who? ready for the holidays. Yeah, yeah, let's just like it's just set up and break down, basically. <laughs> Interesting. You know, here I don't know if I've I told the story on the podcast. I don't remember. The first Grinch film I ever saw as a kid was not How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Like I was entirely unfamiliar with the fact that that was like the more famous one so the one that mm. i saw was like set around halloween time and mm. he has like the wind like um kept up in like his wagon and then like lets it out and then like the fall breezes start and like i don't remember if the who are the who villains whatever you would call them are in that or not like but um i just have vague recollections of it but it was uh it's kind of a cool um kind of a cool thing and then like years later like i was probably seven or eight like i was like oh okay like there was actually like a christmas one they're like yeah that's the one dumbass like that is that <laughs> is the grinch that everybody knows like what's this halloween thing you're talking about but oh well yeah um i think whoville would be a cool place to spend the holidays yeah. for sure what's i'm thinking of an animated version too i'm trying to remember it's not the like 2018 one that came out but it's a much older oh one. No, the old the OG, like with like yeah. the famous, like you're a me one, Mr. Grinch. Like yeah. And I, I recently learned now I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole. Um, I cut around this if I have to. The Grinch like was voiced by somebody famous in the cartoon. The Grinch stole Christmas TV. Boris Karloff. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh. yeah. Which is it's wild. I probably another fact that i'm like years behind <laughs> on but judging by the way you guys said wow um i'm assuming i'm not the only one that didn't know that but yeah mm-hmm. no idea but yeah i'm referring specifically to the 1966 how the grinch stole christmas although the live action one is great too mm-hmm. yeah the cartoon is the best version for sure in my opinion mm-hmm. i know like it probably depends on when you grew up um on how you would feel about that but oh well 
Well, hey, thanks for for both of you guys sharing. Um, I think those are all good choices for very different reasons. So uh, now we're going to pivot to talk about It's a Wonderful Life, which is our final film of 2023. Uh, so first, some facts about It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, released in 1946 and directed by Frank Capra. It was based on The Greatest Gift, which itself was a adaptation of um, A Christmas Carol. It stars James Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore, and tells the story of George Bailey of Bedford Falls, whose life is recounted by angels as he contemplates suicide. George is shown to be a selfless man who has consistently put the needs of others above his own, which results in a modest life that he secretly is dissatisfied with. And a series of vignettes were shown that George has sacrificed money, a comfortable lifestyle, and his education in order to help the town he lives in after he reluctantly takes over a building and loan company from his father, who dies of a stroke. All the while knowing that if he does not, the town is doomed to suffer at the hands of the heartless Mr. Potter. As we enter into the present, we see George's uncle Billy misplace a large sum of money, which is later revealed to be discovered and pocketed by the greedy Mr. Potter, the antagonist of the film. A desperate, defeated George realizes that he will face a jail, likely, and uh, public humiliation, and contemplates suicide by jumping off a bridge. But before he can go through with it, a mysterious man appears and jumps into the freezing water, which forces George to save him. This is revealed to be Clarence, his guardian angel, who at first unsuccessfully attempts to convince George that his life is worth living through conversation. Uh, after unsuccessfully convincing George that his life is worth uh, living, he... Uh, Shows George a future where he is never born and uh, where Bedford Falls has become a den of greed and misery, <laughs> completely owned and run by Mr. Potter. George, realizing that he's done far more good than he's willing to acknowledge, prays to live again and rushes back through the town and ultimately back home in a uh, gleeful state of jubilee. As George embraces his children, his wife comes back home, followed by most of the town who gladly donate money to help the man who has so often helped them throughout their lives. The film ends with a note from Clarence tucked inside a book that reads, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Thanks for the wings. So miss anything? Nailed it. I actually typed it up this time, like <laughs> just to be a little more organized. It only took me to the end of the year to like <laughs> try to, to do it uh, less extemporaneously. It was a wonderful uh, summary. Thank you. <laughs> so, as always, I want to start with um, with general impressions. And um, May, I'm going to start with you since uh, you you were like kind of sniffling when when we opt on camera. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I usually watch the movies we talk about on this podcast, uh, like within 24 hours, often right before the podcast. And I made that mistake with this movie because I was sobbing at the end and my cheeks are probably still a bit red. Uh, <laughs> but it's yeah, Christmas I, cheer. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked it. Um, I'd seen bits and pieces of it over the years, just like from being broadcast on TV so much, but I'd never sat down and watched it all the way through. And I thought that I had so many beautiful small moments of charm and humor and silliness that it made it way easier to buy into the whole kind of like angel intervention storyline than it would have sure. been otherwise. And it also made it mean a lot more at the end, I think. Um, I appreciate that like 
while George Bailey is like a very selfless person, he's also clearly flawed and like just kind of an average guy that chooses to do good more often than not. And um, I really like that in a protagonist. And Mary is an angel. I don't. <laughs> uh i i don't know how he uh yeah i could have ended up with anyone else i wanted to marry mary at, after that movie so <laughs> <laughs> yeah just very charming charming and wholesome and um yeah it might be my new favorite christmas film so thank you for picking it chris wow oh uh, that's high praise i mean like all the other stuff you said of course was like um Yes, like all of it, but um, wow, that's um, quite the compliment because it, it is. I decided last night, like <laughs> after years of kind of debating, I think like this is definitely my favorite. So, oh, um, Mr. Rotondi, what, uh, what did you make of It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, man, I'm going to be the Grinch on this podcast for this one. Um, so I like and don't like It's a Wonderful Life. I flip flop on it, but it's not that I'm one way like all the way one way or all the way the other um i like it because i think it's realistic and i can understand um and i apologize i'm blanking on his name already good lord george george bailey classic name i should remember that um i i can empathize with george for how he feels for wanting to try and take care of everybody and then it's like it's not it's never enough and he always loses everything that he wants to do in sacrificing for that. But I also hate the movie because <laughs> it's like it doesn't really solve the problem, right? It just sort of like tries to make the situation seem better. Like, oh, yes, it's convenient that all of his friends came with money at the end and bailed him out. And it's convenient that we're all happy now at Christmas time because it worked out. But I'm still going to be bitter and resentful about my dreams getting crushed and living with this family in this obnoxious house the next day, right? <laughs> so I guess I'm the pessimist about that. But I've seen this movie a couple of times. I remember watching it when I was younger and it's probably high school. And I remember liking it then. And I think it's just the age difference now and having grown up like 20 some years and feeling like eh, it's nice, but that's also kind of frustrating. And I find that George as a character can be funny at certain moments, but he can also be really obnoxious. And I think that it bothers me a little bit because I feel like I am George sometimes about stuff. And I just, and so getting like seeing that reflection, I'm like, man, yeah. I am kind of an ass. Okay. <laughs> so I think that for me is probably why I flip flop on exactly how I feel about the film. I mean, overall, it is like a very sweet, it's meant to try and let you know that the decisions that you make mean something and the people's lives that you make those decisions for mean something. And that if you weren't around, it could be terrible. I mean, this could all be like, you know, the alternate future and Back to the Future Part Two, where everything's just run down and crappy, and you know, so it's like you know the, that those few decisions along your life could really change stuff. But I don't know. Then the like pessimist in me looks at it and says, "But why does it just have to be this one guy? Why can't other people step up if he wasn't around?" So I don't know. It's really there's a lot of feelings back and forth about it. 
this is completely tangential, but I don't know which version you guys have watched. I didn't watch the original, the black and white one. I, I didn't realize there was like a colorized version that had come out that's oh. on Amazon Prime. So that was kind of disorienting to watch it in color when I knew I that imagine. it wasn't. I can't, I can't imagine like, oh, I, I'm trying to picture what that would look like. I imagine like otherworldly kind of like color it's kind of surreal is... yeah like watching looking at people's eyes and seeing like i like coloring on their eyes and i'm like but were you sure i mean granted <laughs> movies have come out later like rear window and stuff but i'm like are you positive that's kind of how that looked everything was sort of very light colored and so yeah it was interesting wild yeah i've only ever seen the black and white um yeah so just a message to our, our listeners, watch the original. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's cool when you want to try and touch something up, but watch the original. And it's definitely worth watching. I will agree on that. So. Nice. Well, thank thank you for sharing. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, as I said, like uh, at the beginning, my favorite Christmas film ever. Um, I choose to sort of i'm normally like the pessimist i feel like are a little little bit cynical and this movie kind of melts my icy heart like every time i watch it i like to cho like choose to believe that like his outlook has kind of permanently changed hopefully and you know he's got all the gratitude at the end about you know the things that are in his life um, that are good and so i kind of always hope that like that's that's where things end up but um yeah, I just I think there's something in this performance and like I will we'll definitely talk about that um, in a little bit. But um, I, I read today and doing the research that he was suffering pretty heavily from PTSD, having just come back from World War Two as a, a pilot um, and that uh, in particular, like the one scene in the bar where he's like breaking down, like and like sobbing was like real. And um he just sort of was channeling all this stuff that was like floating around. He found the film to be very ther therapeutic, I guess. Um, but I think it's just an all time great performance. Like, you know, regardless of the narrative, like Jimmy Stewart just sells the shit out of all aspects of George Bailey. Like when he's frustrated and he's yelling at his kids and his wife, it's heartbreaking to watch because it is so genuine when he's ecstatic at the end of the film like i believe that like i believe him broken down and, and crying like I, I like he's just a complex character and i think that's the thing that surprised me the most i didn't see this like the first time probably like in full till i was like 18 or 19 years old and i think that's the thing that surprised me the most was like i was expecting the whole film to feel very cliche and just all be at christmas and like just this like sappy thing and like all the darker stuff in the film was was a surprise to me but I think that first like hour, hour and 15 is so important to just establishing like who he is. And I think it makes the payoff all the more sweet. Uh, I do agree with you. Well, there's a lot of convenience in this movie, but it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a Christmas film after all. So like, I'm usually willing to forego a little cynicism, like for the sake of, uh, I guess the holiday and like the spirit of the thing. But yeah, there are, there are very, a lot of conveniences for, for sure. And finally, I'll just remark, May, I agree with you. Like, Mary is such a great um, partner to George, like, at very key points in his life. I think it's kind of like, you know, the film demonstrates having the right person there with you to, like, lift you up. And I don't know. You just think about, like, the honeymoon scene, you know, for example. Oh, um, yeah. Can make all the difference in the, in the world. And really, she's kind of the hero of the film in a way she lets everybody know what's happened and kind of goes out to say, despite him being a total prick when he <laughs> comes back. So um, yes, shout out to Mary for sure. Who again, we'll talk about uh, in a bit.
So um, I wanted to pick your brains on both what you found to be the most inspirational scene and the most devastating scene in the film or saddest scene or, you know, whatever you want to call it, how you want to categorize it. But so we'll start with inspirational. So this film was um, voted, I believe, the most inspirational film on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Cheers list that they did. Um, and it's no surprise that George Bailey was also on their list in the top 10 of heroes and Mr. Potter was in the top 50 villains like, in <laughs> films uh, when those lists were released, which was, I think, like pre-2010. So, um, yeah, what do you find the most inspirational in terms of the scene? Like what what had your heart singing, I guess, watching this? What made you feel good? I liked the um, the scene where George... Well, my grinchiness will kick in too, I'm sure. But it is inspirational <laughs> that for as much as I don't agree with why George does what he does, I appreciated that he was able to look at closing the doors at six o'clock and having what ten dollars left in the True. in the vault, two dollars left in the vault. And so, yeah, just to be able to have that mindset of I've helped all these people that needed it. And I thwarted the asshole in town who wants to monopolize everything. I thwarted that curmudgeon old man who just won't die. <laughs> that yeah. I was like, okay, that's that's pretty good. I'll give you that one, buddy. And then I think conversely, if we're talking about like, well, I don't want to skip ahead. Do you want me to tell you what I thought was like the most disheartening part? We can get there in a second. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Then I'll I'll hold on to my grinchiness. <laughs> <laughs> um it's hard for me to pick because like similarly i was very inspired by him like being visibly tempted by potter's deal with trying to essentially buy him out you know hire him so he can buy the building and loan company and just like how how well jimmy Stewart plays like being legitimately tempted tempted by it and then coming back and being like no fuck you <laughs> yeah. never um and the you know resilience and pride on display there but like hey it's not inspiring but i would at some point like to talk about the scene or he's walking back from the dance with mary because it's one of my favorite like moments of on-screen chemistry i think between like ro romantic leads like it's just very silly and goofy and weird but very like authentic as well and i enjoyed it quite a lot yeah we could definitely um we can talk about that for sure um yeah for me i think probably it, it's kind of cliche but like i i just i love him running through the street and it's it's so similar to the version of like well i mean i'm sure every version of a christmas carol but in particular the alice <laughs> alistair sim like where it's christmas morning and and scrooge is just like almost like manic with like happiness um i just love watching like it's such a bit of catharsis after a really grim like prior 45 minutes or so um just him grabbing the the broken uh banister post and like scooping up his children and um like at this point he doesn't even know that like he's bailed out he's just so grateful to have made like a good impact i think on people's lives and to 
you know, to be around. And um, I just, yeah, I think it's, again, it's a little cliche, but the part that really gets me is the note that I, you know, talked about, like, like if I'm not already crying and usually I am that, like when he opens the and sees the inscription and in the book, like that's what does me in every time of happiness, of course, like, um, but I think it's just, it's a wonderful quote and it's like, I think it's emblematic of, um, a way that like we should all try to live our lives right is to like have friends and around us and like to create an environment where like we're always um successful in some regard because we have people that care about us and vice versa so i think that's the pick i would make as cliche as it is <laughs> uh so what about so we can go Grinch mode now. Will I give you permission? I will I'll open <laughs> door number two. <laughs> um, what uh, what scene did you find to be like most devastating or like, you know, bit of a down or whatever, however you want to categorize it? Uh, when Uncle Billy loses all that cash. That just absolutely is just it's gut wrenching for me because I know what it's like to you. You lose stuff. And you just you're like, I just had this. But to lose it was what eight thousand in the movie, which adjusted for inflation, I think I was reading would be like equivalent to like a hundred grand. Yeah. So it's like to make that kind of mistake, considering where they were at financially already, and to have it happen right after you made fun of the one guy in town that wants to just take everything, I'm like, ah oh, man. And then when George I mean, also like, oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, I was just saying, like the way that's played is like wonderful too. like the actor does such a good job of showing that like anxiety and just utter desperation of it's there's no possible way it could be anywhere than just like some I like there's an explanation for this. Like, oh, <laughs> makes my stomach do somersaults. But I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, you're good. Yeah. And just to watch Potter just kind of eavesdropping, like watching him squirm around and yeah and like you know you know potter's not going to get that money back he's just going to sit from the sideline and just enjoy the comeuppance that he thinks that billy needs for you know making fun of him so but i think that between that and then watching george like lose it and rough billy up a little bit about it just like in in panic mode about like we are all screwed right now um yeah that that to me is probably the low point. I mean, granted, there's other stuff too, like watching him with his family and how he reacts around his kids, which happens after that, you know. But I think that ultimately, like when it all just turns for the worse with Billy, that's man, that's rough. So that's my pick. It's a good one. Yeah. I um yeah, the uh was reading again in research that one of the big points of contention and it's something that kind of slipped through the sensors. So this would have been still during the era of like the Hayes code the villains were supposed to get their come up. It's like, that was like part of the deal and Potter doesn't. And uh, Frank Capra said that he received hate mail for his entire life from people that were furious that Mr. Potter is never punished. Like there's no consequences to what he does. And uh, yeah, he said it was a, a sticking point for a lot of people that not only did that happen, but like we don't get the satisfaction of seeing Mr. Potter finally get his. It's more realistic. I was, yeah, I was about to say the same it thing. Is, it's one of the reasons I 
you know love the film because it's like all the things that you think like the first time you watch it that like cliche like should happen like don't necessarily which is it's got plenty of cliches but and you know um but yeah so how about you may what's what's the a scene that you found to be rough oh unequivocally when he starts yelling at his wife and kids like that uh my stomach just dropped because like i also know like for an older movie like standards of like what's considered just a bad day and what's considered domestic violence like are a bit different and i was like i don't know what this guy's gonna do in this film like i was genuinely worried for for her and the kids even though i know he's supposed to be the protagonist um and yeah just like that's um at night it would be hard to come back with on its own or come back from on its own minus all the money stuff and the drunk driving and all the other other things that happen um so yeah that that was the hardest moment for me to sympathize with him but also like feeling some discomfort at like the things he was saying being things that like i could absolutely think hopefully would never ever say out loud but like about the the house you know like why why did we ever invest in this house even though it had been her dream or like the worst one was like oh why do we have all these kids and... <laughs> yeah. oh that's <laughs> yeah, like in earshot of the kids are like hey now yeah like... yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like you can see exactly why he's saying that at that moment because you've seen a storyline up until then but the family has no idea and it's just ah oh, it's so heartbreaking yeah, I think the only thing that like softens the blow a bit, not much, but is you get the impression that the way they act around him before it's apparent that he's something's wrong is you get the impression that generally speaking, he's probably a really good father and like yeah. husband. So I think like, you know, if they were tiptoeing as he's coming through the door, then it's like, oh, I don't know how good of a, a person he is like at home, you know, but they're they're very warm towards him. So um suppose that implies that it is very out of character but yeah i think there is like some truth sprinkled in there and of course some of it's like the frustration of the situation but um i think that that just kind of adds to the gravity of the things that he says and makes it like all the more like heartbreaking so yeah that's a really good pick um well just to be different um just because i i do want to shout out um the child actor who plays uh young george so in the sequence um, where uh, young George Bailey is working at the pharmacy and it's discovered that the pharmacist has accidentally um, filled some of the medicine with poison, which in the alternate version obviously results in the death of the child. Um, little George is pretty severely like beaten to the point where like his ear starts bleeding um, as he's trying to like desperately like tell him like, no, I'm not going to give this medicine. To, like, like, like you don't know what you do. Like your, your son died. And I know you're upset about that, but like just the way that he's like screaming and pleading, like not my sore ear, not my sore ear. Like, Oh, it does my head in every time where I'm just like, it, it's such a great bit of acting from like a little actor. Um, he just sells it really well. And, uh, you know um it's, it's good at like show like showing like even like from a young age like he's willing to kind of endure um some bad shit to to help somebody else like it's just a nice little like gesture and like scene and moment of course we get a little cameo from from mary and there too um who's already kind of being ignored you know like at the start but um but yeah i think that's a really really it's a tough scene 
um, because you're watching an adult just beat the crap out of a kid for for one, but also like just um, the way the child sells it. So, no, I, I was just thinking it. about that scene actually too, and kind of what May was talking about. And I almost feel like, and this is uh, this is not to say that you should hit children, but for the sake <laughs> of the plot, I almost thought that George was going to hit one of his own kids when he was wigging out. Yeah. Like I thought that to me would make it sense as to why he would suddenly think maybe I should just not be here anymore. And so I was actually kind of surprised that he was sort of like, I mean, I've seen some people and I've also gotten frustrated with stuff. So I felt like he was actually kind of toned down, <laughs> you know, in terms of like verbal abuse. <laughs> So I was sort of like thinking he seems to be really overreacting about some of this stuff to like want to just go out and and to like and so I know a lot of it hates the buildup, but I almost feel like maybe it would have made more sense if he had been more like physically violent and to mirror what he had gone through when he was a kid by Mr. Gower. But granted, I think we're all glad he didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there would have been coming back from that. Also just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I just that was the one thing I sort of thought seemed a bit odd for the sake of just like the character. So I don't know. It does. Anyway. I think another thing that opening scene does though is it shows uh again just how empathetic he is because he's thinking of this guy's loss and his mental state mm -hmm. more than he thinks of the abuse injury he suffers and goes on to have like a lifelong deep connection with the man like um that's a lot of empathy and understanding most people most kids especially would not have mm. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking that's kind of like a Stephen King child, like in a way. No. Or sometimes he writes kids well, but sometimes you're like, oh, you yeah. kids have complex thoughts like this. I don't know that their brain's developed enough, but um, it works in the scene, though. Yeah, it is like it's kind of a double whammy because, like, yes, he's getting hit, but to your point, like, your heart kind of breaks for him because, like, he recognizes that the reason this guy's done this is not because he's careless, but because he's he's like devastated, like about a loss yeah awesome well hey i promise we can we can pivot to happier stuff <laughs> stuff now i wanted to get that out of the way and i think it's important to kind of talk about the darker moments because i don't think the payoff of this film works as well if you don't sort of have those you know moments that show that life sometimes can can be hard um so the next thing i want to talk about is the performances so um, I touched on Jimmy Stewart's a little bit and I'm kind of open it up to any other performances that you really enjoyed in the film and any aspects of them that you found to be interesting. Um, so we can start with Jimmy Stewart if you guys want to add anything, but uh, I kind of mentioned the pretty much all I had to say, which is I think it's just incredibly well-rounded and uh, I think probably fueled by some, some channeling some real life stuff, but I think just generally the way Jimmy Stewart portrays joy is very contagious. And I think that's another mm -hmm. reason I do like his like happier scenes with, with Mary and with his friends, just because it's like, he's very, he, he very, it's very physical when he manifests joy. Like he'll be dancing and jumping around and that kind of stuff. And maybe it's just kind of like how Hollywood acting was at the time, but I really enjoy like those scenes, even if he is really good at portraying like, uh, you know, sadness and grief as well. Yeah, like when they fall in the pool and he just starts dancing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like doesn't even miss a bee. He's just like, well, we're dancing in the pool now. 
<laughs> I think I really liked him with it when he was the younger George uh, with his family at the dinner table. I think that yeah. to me, that interaction with his mother and father, I thought was pretty good too. Nothing specific, just in general, just the kind of the banter back and forth. Although I think it is kind of funny trying to imagine Jimmy Stewart playing like a high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that was uh, a little off-putting, I think, in terms of like, pre like pretending that somebody is very young when they're not. But yeah, I wonder how old like you would have like was supposed to be in those scenes because like. He's supposed to be like wait like nineteen or twenty probably because I mentioned mm -hmm. he's graduated from high school so like I wonder how old I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole while I continue so he was born in nineteen oh eight um and so like in the scene where the kid like when he's a kid that's nineteen nineteen because they mentioned the Spanish flu pandemic yeah. so we could suppose that's like what nine years later or so yeah. he actually would have been about the same age believe it or not I think yeah. right. Um, people looked old as fuck like, back in the day like I think like you know like just more mature um, I like how you pivoted a little bit you're like old as fuck or more mature <laughs> yeah or maybe a bit more nuanced. take your pick whichever one you vibe with better right <laughs> yeah. get a little taste of um, I think his character in Vertigo a little bit like the unhinged Scotty um, in this mm -hmm. like when he's unhinged um which people obviously didn't vibe with when Vertigo came out. They were they did not like Jimmy Stewart, who goes from like you know bad to to worse and stays terrible. <laughs> you know, oh, no. uh, so yeah. I, I did pick up a little bit of that. Um, and this going like I think there's you see some early versions of that, like you know where he's pulling that off. Uh, what about um, Mary? Like, what do we like? I think it's a really fantastic understated performance like in some aspects i think um uh, from donna reed who you know is is there as it's almost like the the pining i mean i do think it's a little unfair that they turn her into an old maid like oh if george bailey doesn't come along like who's gonna marry this this woman i think that was a little un unfair because she's beautiful and seems like she's got a lot going for her but anyway I think I think she also has a very kind of weird and silly side and she's also very independent and I think she needed someone kind of like a Jimmy Stewart to complement that because if you look at who her romantic interest was at the time Sam he's into kind of like get rich quick stuff and something ends up panning out for him but like seems a lot more materialistic than her and I feel like it's a, a less of a nod to like, oh, she can't, couldn't get anyone else and more of a just like, no, she's just a very unique person in the same way as George Bailey and had high enough standards that she'd rather just do, live her own life than settle. That's a nicer way to look at it, I guess. Like, Well, I would also want to be an old maid librarian in another life. So. <laughs> Especially in Bedford Falls. Like there's some seems like there's yeah. some nice people there, but like in that alternate reality, it's like. Yeah, I think her expressions more than anything when she's I mean, she does have some good lines in the film, but just watching her expressions around George, whether it's good or bad, like I think that to me, I thought was some of the best part of the performance because I could understand and I felt like she actually cared about him. I bought I bought the attraction and I bought the 
the concern and the interest and yeah i think more than anything else man when you have people that give good face that <laughs> i think that makes the character Yeah, like when he storms out of the house and, you know, her reaction could very much be like, what the fuck, man? Like, and instead mm -hmm. the kids are like, you know, something wrong with daddy. And she's like, yeah, like, and picks up the phone. And I think she could, she call Uncle Billy. And it's, in, you know, implied that she gets probably the story of what's going on. And then, of course, goes on to like I said, arguably save the day i mean george is obviously like mentally kind of fixed like spiritually kind of fixed by the end but as you pointed out the uh deus ex cash app um <laughs> comes in and <laughs> and nice. uh he kind of fixes the um the main the problem you know karmic fate intervenes we'll we'll say you know that's right it's I what he you... kept wishing for right he kept going in and just making it uh, well maybe it wasn't a million dollars but <laughs> yeah. close enough for him Yeah, it's kind of a nice connection with the, um, the, I don't know what that thing's supposed to be, a lighter, I guess, like that he's I flicking. think so, yeah. I was like, that's a hell of a gadget. I don't know. What, <laughs> I'm like, that's probably people, uh, like contemporary audiences would have understood, but I had no idea what the, the point of that thing was. But uh, what else? I mean, there's Mr. Potter, of course, like, I guess for performances played by Lionel Barrymore, who <laughs> is just despicable and punchable so anytime he gets told off it's it's a good good time he's like if orson wells and mr magoo were f like fused together that's who he reminds me of and he's just yeah it just like his also his facial expressions too his squintiness and then like his like the way his mouth moves when he talks and <laughs> no just i found something to be very like farcical about him almost like a cartoon character but also very malevolent so yeah i mean it's i enjoyed it for that because i didn't really feel threatened by him even though i know he's he is the he's just monopolizing everything in town he's taking everything he can and he just literally will not die it doesn't matter how much time goes by he's like the same age <laughs> yeah um yeah he is kind of cartoonish and as we'll talk about in a second kind of for the final topic i have before wrap up um it, i think it's the idea of mr potter that's more chilling sometimes than the man mm -hmm. like himself um but yeah he is a little he's a little cartoonish um i i the only time i really like chuckled last night kind of unexpectedly was at one point in his sort of evolution of like the appearance of the character, he looks exactly like the big Lebowski from the big Lebowski. <laughs> so he like rolls in and at one point I'm like, so you're a Lebowski. I'm a Lebowski. You know, like I just had that thought and it made me laugh. Cause um, wow. yeah. Awesome. Something about the haircut and he's in the chair and stuff. And <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, I want to give, uh, I think Beulah Bondi, I, don't, I might be mispronouncing that, uh, who plays uh, Ma Bailey, a shout out for two reasons. Uh, one, just because like I like her as being like portrayed as an older lady who is just kind of wise and observant, maybe a little bit pushy, but not hysterical and not too no nosy, unlike the caricature that is uh, Mary's mom. <laughs> oh, gosh. Who <laughs> <laughs> I did not like. <laughs> yeah um and secondly because she actually looks a lot like 
uh, my grandma who helped raise me. Oh. And oh. it's also part of why I like the movie a lot. I was like, oh, now I'm thinking about my grandma who I miss. And um, I used to make my Christmas is very special. So shout out to Beulah Bondi. Oh, that's very, very sweet. And yeah, I uh, kind of like going back to what Will was saying, I think those early like dinner scenes and whatever, like in the house, like it's very naturalistic, I think, with everybody. Like you, they feel like a familial unit um, there. And, you know, I think it's interesting that his uh, father is going to kind of allow him to make the choice, but imparts a little bit of advice or an opinion without seeming like he's trying to control George's life and destiny. And it's kind of an admirable quality, you know, um, George kind of ultimately make, makes the choices that lead him to where he is. Not like he's not kind of like pushed into doing that. Um, yeah. Any other performances or characters you guys want to talk about before we move on to the, to the final topic? Was her name was Violet? The name of the lady who was, uh, just flirting with everybody in town was the the town flirt. I, yeah, I I liked her character. I thought she was funny. I just thought she was <laughs> inter- and even like <laughs> she was the comic relief I needed in this film. So I appreciated that she was that she was there, and also then Gloria Graham for the performance. But yeah, her trajectory you know is interesting for sure. Like I think, um. I, you know, not much to remark on the character other than to say it was kind of like a little tip of the hat um, to the Capra family, but um, the, I don't know why I'm blanking on their names. So I'm going to look at the character list really quickly. The Italian family. Um, Why have I not seen them on this list? Oh, well. The Italian family, though, um, is supposed to be the Capra family. And the way that they draw the connection is there's a goat that is in the car when, he, when George helps them move out. Uh, and yeah. like Capra, like, you know, like goat. Um, so that was kind of like his little tip of the hat. And I guess, you know, he channeled a lot of his experiences with his family immigrating from Sicily and wanted to sort of tell this like story about uh working class and why you need somebody to stand up for you and like it's kind of cynical about the american dream a little bit and that's kind of a segue segue to my my final topic which is um how unsettling is it that the sort of nightmare scenario of potter's field or pottersville or whatever the hell it's called is basically the world that we live in now like it's kind of wild right that like mm-hmm. hey this is what happens if you don't have a george bailey and really just the message of the film is kind of like a failed dream that we all live in now like and it, it's a little depressing i i think but also it's kind of amazing that a movie made in 1946 like said hey like this is how it should be this is where we could end up and like that's where we ended up um yet you know we still maintain hope but how do you guys feel about that did you pick up on that i'm sure you did you guys are both bright people but Mm -hmm. yeah i mean um i feel like you see a lot of stuff culturally or at least in internet culture about like oh supporting small business but it's like to the point where like a lot of small business is kind of like 
artisan or luxury consumer goods and it's such a small market and it's kind of like yeah I can't think of like a small business that is also a corner well it's hard to think of any small businesses that are like huge corner stores of the community or provide vital services yeah it's a lot of boutique stuff you know um like one of our favorites like things in Springfield is like there's a little like a grocery store that is it's between third and fourth um it's awesome like it's like one of our like we would go there like for like essentials if we forget something like on a main grocery trip or just like realize we're out of something run by the nicest people but like that kind of thing is rare you know like if yeah. you're not a chain grocery store like you probably don't exist you know it's it's a hard market to go into so I think that's a good observation I think like affording a house too, like is a big topic of conversation these days for sure. And sort of the, uh, conglomeration, like these big companies that are like just own all of the homes now and just want to turn it into a renter's like nightmare where you have no control over like the prices of like what rent are and you can't afford to buy a house because like home values are skyrocket because like a few co companies own like all the stuff like that just felt really real and like i'm like wow um it's yeah, a way that i think the movies age really well or the commentary on like the only affordable homes being very shoddily constructed and constantly falling apart and yeah yep i've uh, i've experienced that i lived in a luxury apartment for almost a year quote-unquote luxury apartment uh that had a leak in the bathroom ceiling for a month went, went a month before they finally fixed it and i was reporting it like daily yeah that's ridiculous. another terrible conditions i also had like a snake get in there was no pest control <laughs> anyway not not luxury living by any standards mm -hmm. but I was paying the same as like other luxury apartments i think the other thing that is uh was kind of interesting is sort of sort of the opposite ideal that mr potter has where like oh these people aren't entitled to like a home because like they just aren't working hard enough like you know it's in their control like they're not saving enough they're not working hard enough like you know they just really wanted it they could have it and like not acknowledging sort of the wealth disparity and like the that they're put in a like unwinnable situation um yeah, that was very very smart i think um, knowing that the movie is made by a person that came from a family that had, you know, immigrated within a generation, like was probably very helpful in telling that story. And I think it's why it kind of shines in a way that it does, like outside of, of course, like the heartwarming Christmas message, like some of the cynicism of the movie. Um, there you go. Well, see, it's not all, <laughs> it's not yeah. all sunshine and, rain and rainbows. There you um, go. <laughs> uh, there's some truth, you know, some truth there. I think the only thing that I didn't mind about the alternate universe was the burlesque place in downtown. Yeah, That's okay. Well, you can keep that. You know, you got to have a little bit of fun, man. Attitudes yeah, were a little different on. back then. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, as long as they don't randomly jail the performers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was wondering uh, about the the jitterbug sign. I was like, what is what is that? And uh, it's like apparently it was like a dance that was just like banned, like in like classy establishments. So jitterbug welcome was like yeah you can get a little you get a little naughty on the dance floor and this and this Ooh. establishment it's fine <laughs> it's like, dirty this dirty dancing before okay I got yeah 
I did. I did have another thought. I don't know if we're getting to final thoughts yet, Chris. Yeah. Oh yeah, go for okay. it. Uh, and that's just that, like my my curmudgeonly thought on this movie, and it's one that I had before seeing the whole thing, and I still kind of do, even though I do like it a lot. Is just that, like, it is a um uh, kind of a weird um. Uh, portrayal of like depression and suicidal ideation and that it's not really rooted in any like understanding we now have with mental health at all and obviously there's angels in it suspense of disbelief but uh i think it's fair noting that like uh yeah uh, suicidal ideation is a lot more complex and uh harder to fix than just being like but you don't want to right (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yeah um i don't even know it was when would like modern psychology and like therapy like have really like started and been in the like popular like i don't i don't know much about like the history of psychology like I, I roughly know when freud was kicking about and some of his contemporaries but um i'm sure like the idea of psychology existed i just don't know how much like would have been talked about like um so that is a fair point for sure it's a lovely sentiment that yeah. your guardian angel can show up and be like, hey, bro, like life would suck without you. You cool? Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> like, um, but yeah. Suspend your disbelief, I suppose. Um, Yeah. Any other final thoughts, Will? I do like the idea that you could see what life would be like without you around to compare it. And so that you could get like an actual like moment of being grateful for what you did have even if what you did have wasn't what you wanted that it could be better than the alternative in some places or just to kind of have an idea of like how much of a difference you could make in people's lives i think that was probably when i watched the the movie the first time that was the takeaway that i thought would be the most interesting but again you can't necessarily unless your friends tell you how much they mean or that you mean to them and they mean to you you know but people don't always do that so um Uh Will, your friendship means a lot to me. Oh, thanks, man. Sweet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and his Will. little grinchy heart grew three times that day. <laughs> because you are lukewarm on the movie, fuck you. Sorry. <laughs> friendship's, friendship's over. Friendship's over. No. Oh, that's awesome. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you both. Just, just punch him in awesome. the face while you're at it, Chris. <laughs> well i don't have that kind of well i don't have a vehicle right now because yeah. <laughs> i don't have that kind of time but i also don't have the means to do it so yeah uh, maybe i'll mail you like a jack-in-the-box like with a like a punching glove in it so you're like man, i love you both um or there's also you know there's the alternative like um there's a beavis and butthead episode like in the og like run where it's this story exactly um except that like when they're shown what that uh, where are they from astoria or something like that no that's the goonies anyway wherever they're from like life is just awesome for everybody like like the principal's got all of his hair and he's happy and not stressed out like it's like it's very funny like they're just they're just showing like what life would be like without them and it's like great for everybody that would be my fear see i would never take up that deal because i'm like i don't want to know 
<laughs> You've enriched plenty of people's lives. Come on now. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I may have made others far poorer. So <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully they deserve it. You know, like, I don't know, but you win some, you lose some, you got to learn. So, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, any f- other like final thoughts before we move to our wrap up <laughs> segment? Okay. Well, mm-hmm. the final segment for 2023, it's a bit of a cheesy one, but I thought it'd be kind of nice, similar to like sitting around the Thanksgiving table where we could look back and reflect on just literally anything in your life from, from this year, could be related to cinema, could be outside of cinema that you're grateful for. So anything like in your life that you're, you're grateful for. And I'm going to be, I'm going to do like a bonus one. So I'm going to do something in the world of, of film, but I'm also gonna, I'll pick something outside of that. I've got a uh, a couple I'll toss in the, uh, in the pile. Um, I had a family member that had a medical emergency recently and turned out to be like surprisingly better after the hospitalization than most people would in that situation. So uh, grateful that they're still around and grateful that they, if you looked at them, you would not have thought that the emergency they had had even happened. So, you know, you're, it's miraculous sometimes what the human body can, can deal with and still bounce back. So, and then on a lighter note, if we're talking about television and film, uh, to switch gears and not be grinchy and talk about what I think is incredibly wholesome. I finally started watching Bluey and I cannot get Aww. enough of that show. I freaking love Bluey and Bluey's little sister Bingo is freaking adorable. I will probably never have kids, but if I had kids <laughs> or I had a kid, I would want Bingo to be my kid. Not that I want an anthropomorphic dog child, but I do want I just that character is oh my gosh. Now so I kinda think you do. I, the way that you, <laughs> yeah. you got real defensive there. <laughs> yeah, like just uh, to throw it out there. You could run it. <laughs> Bluey Bluey is very cute and it's definitely like the show I wish I had in my childhood. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, if you're I was gonna ask if you're ready, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, I spoke, so I <laughs> signed myself up. <laughs> uh my I have a movie and personal one that are linked. Um so uh a whole bunch of friends and I went to go see the Barbie movie this summer. <laughs> it was a lovely experience. I cried. It um I thought it was a great movie and had like a lot of interesting and nuanced things to say um about how you relate to one another both in relationships and just as friends and and um it sparked uh so my local friends start having like girls nights which hadn't really been a thing before and so I feel like I've gotten a lot closer with my girlfriends in town and that's been a like very crucial source of support and affirmation and love for me um since then and that's been just a really big light in my life um as has uh, the person I've been seeing the last few months, which also kind of came out of that movie. But um, yeah, uh, Alex, if you're listening to this, very grateful for you. Yeah, for uh, those of you that don't know, Alex crawled out of the screen, out of the world <laughs> of Ken and Barbie, and 
uh, he rollerbladed across the auditorium and took May by the hand, did a little twirl, and then absconded with her. We were worried for a day or two, but it all worked out. Mm. <laughs> it's not what happened at all, but it's it's a cool story. No, I'm going with that now. I'm not correcting you. That's canon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really, really sweet. Um, and a great example. Yeah, that was like one of my like highlights of this year was just getting all dressed up together and like rolling. Yeah. What was it like 12 or 15 deep? Something crazy like that mm -hmm. um, for tacos and, and, and Barbie. It was hot, but still a good time. Oh, I was sweating in my pink dress. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so for my um, my movie example, no surprise there. I'm positively thrilled that like we got one of the best Godzilla, if not the best Godzilla movies like ever in this year. And I see it's being released in black and white in Japan. So I hope we get it in the US because I totally go see it again. Um, but yeah, it was just a franchise that I've loved since I was probably five years old. It's just kind of fun to like see it still going. And obviously it was going for years and years before I was even born. Right. 54 came out. So it's cool to see something persist that and still have something interesting to say right in the age of like marvel and things like that to not just make a blockbuster that is sort of like empty and and you know just about putting butts in the seats and selling tickets like um as far as that personal life like honestly watching the movie and the, what inspired me to to do this topic at the end of the year was like i had sort of a george bailey uh uh, reminiscing kind of experience last night after I finished it. Yeah, I'd had a bourbon or two. Um, <laughs> where like I just like did I you realized... talk to an angel? Yeah, no, not I didn't have that much bourbon. Um, <laughs> but I just you know I realized that like overall, like I'm just I'm very fortunate um, in my life. The people that I have in my life, the job that I have, like I have so much to be grateful for. Um, not which of least of which is this, this podcast, like doing this with, with you guys has been such a, a thrill and a source of creative outlet. And it's just something I look forward to like week after week. And, um, I really appreciate, uh, the both of you and I appreciate the podcast and listeners. I appreciate you like genuinely, I know we're not the biggest podcast on the internet, um, uh, Joe Rogan probably has one or two listeners uh, above us at least um, <laughs> as to Spark Marin. But um, nonetheless, like I, I really enjoy doing it and it is a great source of joy in my life and you both are responsible for that. So thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. And you are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm right. <laughs> You're like about time you said it. Jeez. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> and I have one more question to um to pose to you before we put a button on 2023. So audience, we will be taking a couple months off. So we can reevaluate and maybe like reconfigure the podcast. Don't worry, you'll get plenty of screen quests in 2024. But we will have a bit of a hiatus. And my question to you is. Would you like to draw our card now and leave the audience in suspense for like two months, just like a t television show? Um, or do you want to wait and draw the card later? Draw it, draw it, draw it. See what our first <laughs> film of 2024 is going to be. 
Hell yeah, let's do it. Okie doke. I was on the fence until Will started chanting and I crumble with peer pressure. So. <laughs> slap, or slow clap. Clap, 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 All right. Um, so let's see what our film is upon our return. Triumph was of the book better. Shit. <laughs> so Actually, be that'd be now. great. <laughs> let's read Dune, guys. <laughs> Woo! You know what? Look, I'm telling you right now, if it's Dune, oh yeah, I'm I'm game. It is going to be a milk or wine. Mm. And I just need, in classic fashion, I have forgot to pull up the spreadsheet. So, be this and for our audience America. members, milk or wine is our category where we're going to debate whether a film has gotten better or worse over time. And Will, my man, you get to yeah, the honor of our first 2024 film. Which I kind of love because I was thinking that after the holidays settled down, I have a little more time. I was going to do just a marathon of this director's work because he's my all-time favorite director. And there's so many bangers, not least of which <laughs> is North by Northwest, oh, Alfred yeah. Hitchcock, starring the incomparable Cary Grant in one of his best roles. This movie is just so much fun. It's an adventure. It's kind of a spy thriller, chock full of humor. And it's got all the things that make a great Hitchcock film. Domineering mothers, memorable finales. And then, of course, that crop duster scene that everyone's seen a million times. It's got a pretty awesome soundtrack, too. Ah, Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, it really just got all the elements. This is like Hitchcock at the top of his game, for sure. Um, What made you nominate this for, for Milk or Wine? Um, out of curiosity was it kind of like a a slam dunk where you wanted to just be like well, of course uh it's age like wine or do you actually think there's a debate to be had and I, I mean that as a genuine question it's like do you think this movie is also shit will <laughs> no 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 no, 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 no i um <laughs> i would never say that about north by northwest no i um i think partly because it's been a while since i've seen it um but also because i think that it's always fun to talk about some of the classic kind of what you were saying you know where it's action spy it's from a famous director and so i sort of like to go back and look at some of the classics and just kind of nitpick maybe or reinforce the point that yeah you know they did it great the first time don't reinvent the wheel again with anything else or you know talk about how we've seen how it influences culture since then but uh I mean, I like it for all the reasons you listed, man. So I'm looking forward to watching it again. Funnily enough that you that picked this for the category, because it occurs to me that this is actually the third time he made the same movie, essentially, because he was dissatisfied with his mm-hmm. prior attempts. So the first was the 39 steps and then sabotage. Where it essentially, it was the same plot where it's like a wrongfully accused man who's caught up in a spy like. Uh, or like espionage like ring and misidentified as and like each of those has a finale that happens somewhere kind of memorable so it's kind of an awesome pick for that because hitchcock himself is like milk milk and then finally you know satisfied (laughs) like there wasn't a fourth attempt well he died probably before he could (laughs) do it again you know but like i'm not as up on my hitchcock history as you are 
<laughs> well, he died like in the eighties, but like early eighties. But um, but yeah, I think he well, either. I, yeah, I knew was... he was dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 no. I, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry to clarify. I didn't want to imply that he just died like right after making North by Northwest. <laughs> he he went on to make some other stuff, but uh, I'm assuming that like he either was satisfied or just didn't get the attempt to take her further. Um, like he was just one of the he like got directors that I think was kind of driven a little insane by technological limitations and you know how it is like when you put something out into the world and you're like damn it if i if i could do it all over again i would do it different i think it's just that kind of like artist oh yeah plague so well i'm I'm excited to watch it and this uh you've solidified for me before we record sometime you know we'll probably resume putting episodes out in march so before we record in february or or early march i um here's my sign from from Clarence, 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 like I want to watch Hitchcock, Clarence. Uh, that <laughs> from above, that like it's time ding, to, ding, to go ding, back ding. and do a whole mess of Hitchcock films. So, May, since you're in the same town, if you if you want to get in on any of that, um, oh, I have an embarrassing yeah. collection of of Hitchcock films. So, absolutely, great. Well, I wish you both a happy holidays, uh, audience. I wish you a happy holidays. Um, Again, you can expect to see us back sometime in March. And you can expect us to talk about North by Northwest. But until next time, we love you. Bye, Bye guys. Happy holidays. Bye.